Jamie's already wearing his white robes. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it was a little joke. I don't know if y'all got that or not. I got half mine on, so I'm not there yet like you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but um, I just have a brief little nugget to share, and we are all new creations in Christ. Amen. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And a happy life, an abundant life doesn't happen by chance. It happens by change, right? And so when we believe and we have that heart transformation, he is doing working in us. He's, he's faithful to complete it. And his resurrection, his death revealed a lie that death had no power over the grave, right? No man took his life. Romans didn't kill him. He laid it down. When it was finished, he said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, right? And I know when you see it, it's like, no, no man, no man took it. He was revealing that he had power because when he gave up his spirit, I thought, he said, don't you think if I was walking around healing people, I could have healed myself, you know, on the cross? So he, he willingly, he did that. So he could show us and conquer death that it had no power revealed that death was a, is a lie that it has power and his resurrection revealed truth that we now live eternally in him amen and we just pass from one section of glory to another amen so happy life abundant life doesn't happen by chance it happens by change we are all new creations we've been crucified with christ it's no longer i that live but christ that lives in me and when you come to Grace Life, we're going to preach to the new man, not the old man. A lot of times people stop at the cross and preach death, but it's not a ministry of death. The gospel is a ministry of death. The gospel is a ministry of life. It's good news. It's great news. And, um, you know, that's what we need to hear, our new man, so it can mature and grow and walk out everything that we have, all the benefits that we have. And that's what you'll hear. We preach him big. We preach him good. And a lot of people get aggravated because they don't think he's in a good mood. But God is in a good mood. He loves us. He's thinking about us. He wants the best for us. And so that's what you'll hear here at Grace Life. So anyway. <laughs> good Easter nugget. I like it. Amen. You know, on Friday, uh, what we call Good Friday, the disciples and the followers of Jesus received breaking news that wasn't very good. They heard the news because they had all scattered but John. And the news started getting out that he was dead, buried. Not very good news if you were a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ. But we have the privilege of looking back and knowing what happened and what was accomplished so we call it Good Friday. Even on Sunday morning when the scripture says that Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome went early in the morning to the tomb, they still were believing the report of the bad news that he was dead and buried and they were having a discussion on how the stone would be rolled away. Breaking news has permeated our culture and in this world of seemingly bad news or even fake news, it can be easy to view the gospel even with a negative lens. As ministers of the gospel on Easter Sunday morning, we have a great opportunity to share good news. 
And hopefully if you can get that on the screen, that's our theme, that's our title, that's our series. Everything about the gospel is good news. Amen? So we want to try to begin to understand the language of the new covenant and look at the gospel as absolutely true good news and nothing bad attached to it at all. We don't have to come up with a bad story and a, uh, a tragic situation for God to look real good. God is good all by himself. And like Lisa said, he's not in a bad mood. And just because we oftentimes fall into bad things and make bad choices doesn't make God bad. God is still good. And it may just surprise you how good the gospel really is if you would hear it preached in simplicity without any bad news attached to it. So as we get into that this morning, let's pray and then let's open the scripture and look at this good news together. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the finished work of the cross and it's with gratitude this morning that we can declare that he is risen. Thank you for eyes to hear the good news today. Ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive it, a mind to believe it, and a mouth to proclaim it. All the good things that we have because of the good news. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now last week, the Holy Spirit took over and we didn't really have a message, but we did learn uh, that the good news is that Jesus rode into Jerusalem declaring peace. And that he still rides into every one of our situations and he's still declaring peace. And he has placed and deposited the kingdom within us. And now we, like the donkey, are the vehicle by which peace is distributed into the world. The king has indeed come. It's not just a future event that we're waiting for and hoping for. It's a reality that the king has come. So today we're going to declare, and I hope you will believe as you hear, that the good news is that Jesus rose from the dead. I posted this morning, it's good news that he's still alive. Uh, we've been to the empty tomb. How many have been to the empty tomb? We've seen it, haven't we, Pastor Hank? And we know that the tomb is still empty today. I, my mom's birthday was yesterday. I, I go to the grave to remember her knowing that there is only a body there, that she is not there, but when you go to the tomb of Jesus, there's not even a body there. It is empty. But our hearts are full because the good news is that he rose for you. He said, the scripture Paul says that he was crucified for our sanctification and he was raised up for our justification. If he's just a dead savior that shed his blood, he's like any other mythical God that died. But he rose up to justify us, which means he, it, when he sees us, it's just as though we never sinned. And the great news is that he conquered death. And because he conquered death, we are more than conquerors. That's good news. What does more than conqueror mean? That means that he provided the victory for us. We didn't even have to lift a finger, but we get all the residual results of what he did for us through his death and burial and resurrection. The gospel in the Greek simply means God's good news. 
It's the story from Genesis to Revelation of the goodness of God. We say, he doesn't look very good in the Old Testament. Well, you're looking in the wrong places. God was good. He found favor with many throughout the scripture. He was good that even knowing that they couldn't keep the law, he provided a way and a means of salvation through them not being able to keep the law. But thank God that the gospel, the good news, it's the good news of the goodness of God. When Jesus came and he revealed the Father to us, he showed us how really good he was. It's a message of victory. It's an announcement of joy. Now, theologically, it's the message of the Messiah because the Old Testament prophesies, conceals him, but the New Testament reveals him as Messiah, the anointed one, the one who had been prophesied that would be wounded and bruised and crushed and spill out his blood for us. But practically, the good news is about what Jesus accomplished for us. I'm thankful that he said on the cross, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. The work for our salvation was accomplished at the at the cross. Amen. Now, we're going. This is this message is good news. Colossians, the third chapter, verse one says that Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. I'm reading from the Message Bible, and that's good news. That His resurrection was your resurrection. And this is why we all yearn for all that is above, the kingdom coming. For that's where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, all honor, and authority that he has given to you. It's good news. It's good news that his death was my death. It's good news that his resurrection was my resurrection. You know, resurrection life is here right now. Now, it does have future implications, but if all we dwell on is going someplace, we will miss out living the resurrected life here and now. You know, after Jesus was resurrected on that first Easter Sunday morning, the Bible says that he walked around on the earth in his resurrected body for 40 days. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and verses 1 through 7 tell us that he was seen by Peter, then he also says that he was seen by the 12. Then he was seen by 500 at one time in his resurrected body on the planet. And that resurrected life that he has, he has given to you so that he, we could have a demonstration of how to walk out resurrection life on the planet today. The scripture says he was the firstborn of many brethren to be resurrected from the dead. Lisa alluded to it. It is an abundant life. It is a restored life. It's a rewarding life. If any of these things uh, aren't something that you are enjoying right now, I would uh, just encourage you to believe this morning that it's good news, and the good news is for you. It's a life full of rejoicing. It's a relational life. Jesus turned the graveyard that he was in into a garden. All of the tombstones became a greenhouse. So stop going back to the graveyard. It's amazing 
that we believe the concept, the idea, the reality that we are brand new creations in Christ and that the grave clothes are fallen off, but we go back and we talk about dying and living in death and putting the grave clothes back on and keep going back to the graveyard. You are a new creation with a brand new life. Stop putting grave clothes back on. What do grave clothes do? Well, it's just like Lazarus. When Jesus brought him forth and gave him life, Jesus said to those in his midst, you loose him, you let him go. You unbind his eyes so he can see. You, as the wrappings came off, his ears were uh, available to hear. So when we go back to putting grave clothes on, we are trying to resurrect a dead man, the old man who is gone, and it puts us back into bondage again. There's two things. That are if, if There are a few things that are dead in your life, but you can do two things with those dead things. Are you ready? You can bury them, leave them in the grave. Jesus called you out, so it's time to stop running back to dead things. Bury it. Dead relationships. Dead things that once meant something that the old life is gone. Bury them. Or... You can resurrect them. There are some things that need to be resurrected in your life today. Speak to them. Prophesy over them. If, you have, if your finances are dead, begin to prophesy that they would be resurrected. If you're at a dead-end job and it needs to be resurrected, ask God to start prophesying and speaking to those things. I was talking to Noel before the service, and he's speaking life into his finances to buy his very first brand-new car. God's making provision for him. He's speaking and prophesying life onto the, into that. And God is giving him his best for his budget. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Let me tell you what that means. This is a cliff note version of the commentary about that verse. It means that this includes your old identity. It's dead and gone. You have a brand new identity. It means that your life of sin is dead and vanished. That the power of death, hell, and the grave has been, been vanquished. That the religious works of trying to please God are old and dead and gone. That your old relationship, listen to me, with the world is dead and gone. You have a brand new relationship with the King of Kings. It means that old mindsets are gone and he's given you a renewed mind, which is the mind of Christ. It means that we are not simply reformed or refurbished, but that we are completely brand new and brought into oneness with Christ by his indwelling spirit. You are one with Christ. The example that he gives is when a man and a woman come together that the two become one flesh. We use words like unity, but it's so much greater than unity. It's oneness. That's what Christ did for you when he died and rose again. And behold, everything is fresh and new, a brand new world order. I'm not talking new age, but I am talking a new Jerusalem, a new day, 
a new tongue, a new song, everything about life because of his resurrection is brand new. That's a good place to say amen. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, that's earthly here, I live by the faith, watch this, of the Son of God. It doesn't say faith in, now I believe in having faith in what Jesus did, but I also believe that the life that we are living, I live by the faith of the Son of God because when I am faithless, 1 Timothy says, He is faithful. And it's His faith that He had faith to believe that if God the Father said before the foundation of the world that He would be slain as the Lamb of God, He believed the Father had faith in that and the work that He had did for us gave us a brand new life. The accuser wants to keep you going back to the past because it buries you. It keeps you from living in resurrected life. I want to encourage you this morning, stop speaking to what you should be stepping on. I want to say that again. Stop speaking to you've got a problem, you've got a battle, you've got a situation, you've got a tragedy, you've got drama going on, and you're speaking to that instead of stepping on it. It says that in Genesis 3.15 that he would bruise his heel when he crushed the head of the enemy. One of my favorite parts in the movie Passion of Christ is in the garden when you see Jesus smash the head of that snake. But he said that you have power over the enemy and he is under your feet, so stop speaking. It's amazing to me how many prayers that I hear prayed and people were talking to the enemy. Talking to the devil. All you have to do is say flee, rebuke him, he's gone, and step on it. Resist the enemy and he shall flee. Here's good news. What is in the tomb doesn't determine your future. Your future is determined by what is in the womb of your mind. And then what is spoken out of your mouth. It becomes a thought first, then it becomes words. And so what is in the tomb, the things that we're bearing, that old man that's dead... We don't go back and determine that says that this is your future because of that. In the womb of your mind, in the renewing of your mind, you will begin to determine your future as you speak it. I believe that the words you speak frame the world that you will live in. There must be a death before there is a resurrection. And his death was my death. As a matter of fact, Jesus died for all. Not only did he die for all, all died in him. Can I just give you a scripture that I found this week that is just incredible? 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, watch it, then all died. How many died? His death was every human being's death. 
And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You have a choice. He reconciled you in his death to Christ and he wrote or to God and then he rose again and Paul challenges us with this now be thou reconciled reconcile your mind with the fact that he died and when he died you died you're a brand new creation in Christ now awaken to that place your faith in that believe that and begin to live a resurrected life that is full of abundance that's full of rejoicing that's full of a relationship with God the Father I like this quote if you look at the screen, his death certificate became your birth certificate. <laughs> Resurrection life is a supernatural experience by which we are empowered by the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. You have the life of God's spirit living on the inside of you. That's tremendous. That's an incredibly good piece of news that I would hold on to that the same spirit that entered into Christ's dead body and caused him to get up from the dead is the same spirit that lives on the inside of you. Got one person happy over it. Whatever you feed your mind on feeds life or feeds death. Romans 8, 6 says, For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. We need information on how to live life, not how to die. Can I say that again? We need information on how to live life, not how to die. I have a very very rich heritage. I, I grew up under Jesus preaching. It was all about Jesus. I have a foundation to know that if I fall down to pick myself up by my bootstraps and I don't have to go back, uh, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to hell. No, I keep on moving forward because I have a Jesus foundation. But a lot of what was preached around this, and some of you will know, was this message of constantly dying. I see some head shaking. My sister said, preach. <laughs> this is about life. His death was my death. Why do I have to keep dying? His resurrection was my resurrection. I'll walk in newness of life because of his resurrection. I need more information on how to live this new life, not how to keep dying, amen? amen. Your dying doesn't get you to heaven. His death did that. <laughs> not only does it get you to heaven, it gets heaven on the inside of you. Then we get to walk in heaven with a future realization of what is to come when this body ceases, heaven is not just where you go when you die. It's who you are right now. Why? Because you are the dwelling place of God. You are God's home. Look, look. God's moved into the neighborhood. He has made his home in man. 
You are a tabernacle. You are the tabernacle of God. If you're in the drama, you can go ahead and go on out and get ready. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 54 and 55. I, I would encourage you this week, read all of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. It's 58 verses long. You can break it up through the week. But Paul starts out by telling you what the gospel is. He says, this is the gospel that I've preached to you, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was crucified, that he was buried, that three days later he rose from the dead and was seen, like I said, by Peter, by the disciples, by James, and by 500. Then he starts beginning all through there. It's just about the gospel. And he gets down around verses 54 and 55 and he says, So when this corruptible, that's the body, touch it, pinch it, feel it, that's the body. When this corruptible has put on incorruption, that is your spirit man. Who Your spirit man is incorrupt. See, that's hard for us to even imagine that we are incorrupt. Why? The, in, the seed of God that was placed in you is an incorruptible seed, according to Hebrews. So, again, your body, that which is corruptible, has put on incorruption, and this mortal, touch your body, touch your neighbor, that's mortality, that's mortal, has put on immortality, that means the spirit man will never die. Listen, God didn't give you forgiveness and eternal life when you prayed a prayer. He provided for it on the cross of Calvary, and he gave everyone the ability to understand that they could be incorrupt and immortal in their spirit. Man, that's who we really are. The body will die. Paul says it's perishing every day. What's being saved and what we need to work on is the soul. The mind, the will, and the emotions that are being saved. Why do we repent? We repent and change our mind so that our soul realm, our mind, our will, and emotions will begin to line up with the spirit man that is incorrupt and immortal. That's good news. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, O death. Where is your sting, O grave? Where is your victory? I have two thoughts as I close this morning. Death has been swallowed up. Think about it. Jesus ingested death. Anything that is ingested must be eliminated. You tracking with me? If he swallowed it, he eliminated it. It's done with. It's over. Is that what the scripture said? Death is swallowed up in victory? It was what Jesus did accomplishing the victory for us so that death... Listen, I have been in the room when people have passed from life to death. I was in the room the moment my mom was unplugged and passed from life to death. But death is swallowed up in victory. We mourn because we can't touch the corruptible and the mortal any longer. And we weep because we want them, we desire to keep them with us. But their incorruption and their immortality causes them to live forever. Death has been swallowed up in victory because Jesus rose from the dead. There was a dad 
in the car with his kids going on a trip. One of the children was highly allergic to bee stings. And a bee got in the car. And if this child had been stung by the bee, it would cause death. But dad crabs the bee in his hand and the bee stung daddy. <laughs> and once the bee stung daddy, it couldn't sting again. Do you hear me? Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus took the sting of death in his hand. And because he was stung, you will never be stung with death. Death has lost its sting. Would you stand with me this morning? <laughs> Psalm, the 23rd chapter, says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is a shadow. And a shadow can't kill you. You know, if you're walking down the street, Aaron, and the sun is shining and a car goes by, and the way that the sun was shining on that car and the shadow goes over top of you, walking on the sidewalk, that shadow can't kill you. It, but you know what it does to a lot? It could cause fear. It causes anxiety. The shadow of death that the enemy wants to try to keep bringing over you is a lie. A shadow can't kill you, and a shadow won't kill you. Jesus is with us, and he took the sting of death. And I like what Acts 4.33 says as we end this message of good news this morning, that with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I like that next phrase. And great grace was upon them all. I've been a witness to the resurrection. To the resurrection power of Jesus, not only in my own life, but to the lives of many of you, I've seen the resurrection power of God awakened in you. And great grace is upon you all. The grace of God is upon your life. Easter is a wonderful time to have an invitation. An invitation to believe the good news. Maybe you're in the room or under the sound of our voice this morning and you've never reconciled in your heart and your mind with the fact that what Jesus did on the cross settled it for you. It's an invitation to come to the table. Do you know that at the table, no handicaps can be seen, no socioeconomic backgrounds can be seen. At the table, all are welcome. It's an invitation to come to the table and to partake of the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Christ that symbolized what he went through to give us eternal life. If I could get one of our ushers back there to turn all of the lights off, Brian, out here. And when you do that, you can go get the children and bring them in.
they're going to sit. We're going to have just a three-minute, three-and-a-half-minute song that I think will minister to you this morning, and it's an invitation. I invite you this morning to come to the table. You can come to this altar. You can kneel at your seat. Maybe you just want to say, Lord, I know you never left me, but I, I've walked away from you, and I just want to recommit myself this morning and awaken afresh and anew to all that you've done for me through the cross of Calvary. Would you pray with me, and then this music will start, this drama will begin, and we'll just come back at the end of that and give some closing remarks and let people pray as long as they need to pray. But pray with me as I pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came and lived a sinless life and was the perfect sacrifice. And as the high priest of heaven, he made his life a sacrifice for all. Help those that need to reconcile to the fact that you've made them right with yourself through the blood of the cross just to believe this morning. Father, for those who have believed, help our unbelief. We recommit afresh and awaken anew to the goodness of God and the good news of the gospel. It is for the living to receive it and to walk in it and to live it. So, Father, this morning, this invitation to come to the table, we've taken the bread and the wine this morning, remembering your sacrifice, remembering the meal that heals, and remembering all that you did for us. These next few moments as we remember that it is an open invitation for all, Holy Spirit, begin to prick the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, and may they be drawn by your love, compelled by your love to accept what Christ has done for them. And may we begin to walk afresh and anew in the resurrected life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.